turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. Hi, Tim. Everybody's high on consolation. Everybody's trying to tell me what's right for me. Hi, Ryan. Hey. What's up? Hey, are you Daryl Hall or John Oates? <laughs> oh, man. I think I am the Oates to your Daryl. Yeah. I mean, the Oates to your Hall. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, welcome, everyone. Hi. To episode 27 of Dismembering Horror. Yeah. The podcast show where we discuss, a.k.a. dismember, horror films of new and old that Tim and I are just hopefully uh, looking for some... Well, we hope to find some gold in there, in mm. their hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the search uh, continues. Exactly. The search <laughs> continues today. Well, when we watched the movie two days ago. Yeah. And uh, and how about last week's film too, Tim? Anything more you want to say on that? That was a loaded topic. We watched a... Um, oh, boy. A movie that, you know, uh, understandably people just think, like, why should this even exist? Which I get it. But, uh, yeah. But, like, I thought it was interesting what you said, Tim, because you were, like, you know, we both loved the movie aspects of it, the second getting into it, you know, for all the reasons one does for a fun, intense, uh, what do you call it? I guess, not horror film, but, you know, thriller. Thriller. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but the uh, but what you said as far as how much you liked it that you're like I just wouldn't want it uh, but I wouldn't want to own it I wouldn't want to own this movie and you're trying to like find the words for it <laughs> tell me if this feels accurate but like I I get like how you could love it but just wouldn't want it in your house <laughs> yeah that's kind of it you know that's interesting yeah it's like a piece of paraphernalia that is like that's really cool but like. Like if you went to, you know, some weird haunted house and they were selling like little things from there, I'd be like, I really love that thing, but I don't want the juju from it in my yeah. house, like the, the bad vibes from it in my house. It's like having, it's kind, like, yeah, it's uh, sort of like that. It's like like, like a, a German Luger or something. Ooh, like yeah. Some people think it's cool because of that yeah. fact. My grandfather had a, a Luger. And yeah. showed it to us, and I, it was trippy, man. Because I was like a teenager, I think, when he showed it to oh, us. Cool. And I, I had a weird, like, oh, man, like existential, like, what do what, I think of this? What has this seen? Yeah, it was, man, that was crazy. My one grandpa had a Luger that was stolen, and then my other grandpa had, like, a um, whatever the equivalent Japanese officer samurai sword oh, would wow. be that he sold but regretted selling. Yeah, because you think right away, you're like, I don't want this. The context of how this came to be is awful. Yeah. Right? Anyway. Like the, like. Like the movie we watched. No, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this so week, This yeah. week's film, the, the hat, we were talking about the hat too last week. How we The gotta, hat knows. We got to trust in its serendipity. Seriously. You were crazy. like, do we, should we like... re-pull? But. <laughs> Can you, can you catch us up what that was? Well, it's just that we had done an a, Argento that was amazing in opera. And we had done another Giallo, which was Planet of the Vampires. You know, and so then I pull another of both of those. And I had just watched the remake of Suspiria. I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm a little Argento'd, you know. Uh, to the gills. Yeah, but the hat um, knows. But the hat, the hat said that you need to drown in in. I think <laughs> it, it'll be a good thing as far as we have something to compare it with. I think that is true. I, I think yeah, for sure. And, and also uh, that it's ten years earlier. Yeah, well, or so I, give or take, right? I said to where we left off. I wonder if this was one of the films, Gallo films that I have seen that sort of put me off, thinking they were boring. And yes, Deep Red. <laughs> It's indeed one of those films. Literally one of these films. I do oh, remember man. the guy in it. I remember some of the situations. I don't remember some of them, but this was totally it. So, yeah. with saying that, should we get into... Yeah, let's watch that trailer. You have killed And you will kill again. You're getting closer and closer to the most unnatural kind of death. 
beyond shock. What was that? Beyond horror into total terror. <laughs> Murder runs wild. Blood runs cold. Deep red. The conjecture is that an act of bloodshed was once committed in that house. Deep. So deep. So, so red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what happened? How would you summarize it? So let's say, oh let's see. God. There's okay. a there's a guy. You, so, oh yes, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sit back. So a tele a woman with presumably telepathic abilities uh, is able to. I have to stop you. <laughs> Already, just you saying that, I had completely forgotten that that was the setup. And that's part of the point it, I'm gonna make. Oh yeah. my god! So a woman with telepathic commu- you know abilities <laughs> uh, recognizes who a killer is in a in a forum on telepathic abilities, right. calling this killer out who happens to be there. And um, and then also says she knows what the killer's next thing is going to be. So the killer kills her, and then some neighbor who's not involved in anything at all goes on, like, a weird little, like, Nancy Drew mystery hunt, <laughs> like, for things, but yet, like, things that don't make... At least uh, to us, first-time viewers, <laughs> didn't make a whole lot of sense as to why he was doing it at all. Because he here's why he was doing it. Because he's a man. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's like the whole movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm a man, and I'm gonna take care of business. I didn't mean to shift the summary. Oh, into sorry. Our, <laughs> our our what we're Critique. we clearly yeah what we're clearly going to talk about. But like but, that but, is no, what it was. Yes, right. Like he he witnesses the murder and it's a neighbor of his and so he takes it takes it upon himself to figure it out a pianist is doing oh that's right he's a pianist yeah i forgot about that part too right Hmm. and because i think it's just that he's taken by the mystery of this painting being different or removed or something at the scene (laughs) of the murder yeah. So there was something having to do with the painting that he was obsessing over, yeah. yet he never came across as an obsessed person. Anyways, that's right. what it's about. And then people get killed throughout it, and you're all like, why are they killing these people too? Right. Hmm. Anything to add to what the story, mm. what the summary was? Hmm. Christmas. Yeah. The opening, the actual opening shot was cool. So actually there is, a, we should mention, there's an ongoing, like... It's set up with this sort of limited view. Here's the backstory of a murder of a murder. And like, these are the clues that you have that are on screen. So then the whole time this is you're like the audience perspective. This is what you have. You're trying to feed in this <laughs> mystery. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Which. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Which right. we, we did not see what was coming. We'll give it that. <laughs> yes. So uh, how would we actually rate it in our rating system? If Tim, you were speaking to Tim and you had to tell Tim <laughs> to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it. Deep red. I'd just stream it. Yeah. It's got some cool stuff in it. That was mine. I was like, if you have, how long is it? It was, it was just felt, over two hours, like yeah, two hours, two minutes. Long. So, yeah, stream it if you want to, you know, kind of slog through two hours that that are not without, you know, cool stuff, but it felt a little bit like a slog, so that's why I say stream it. Yeah, that slog was making me want it to give it an avoid during it, like just why even... I can see that. Yet, yeah, I, I did fall in the camp, you know, by the end, okay, there were enough moments mm-hmm. in there... And sure, I guess the cinematography too. But really, a, a moment won me over. Um, oh, so I'm very curious. Which there were a couple mo- There were a couple. There were a couple hmm. peaks for me that were just like, okay, great. I'm glad I had this experience in the context of this film that would not have been the same had I just watched the clip separated. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. we agree. We agree on this one. So let's talk about what worked for us. Okay. It worked like a charm, Smith.
I was actually pretty into it the, after the first two scenes. Like, you have this sort of interesting shot of the murder that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, these are the clues. And then the next thing is the what I already mentioned, the telepathy conference or whatever. Right. The woman giving a demonstration. That, for me, felt like the opening of, like, a couple, like a Cronenberg film sure. or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm like, wow, this is neat. If, this is us coming off of off, opera, too, which right. we really loved where what we had gotten into what we loved so much about opera was its ability to blend these thematic ideas in it without ever being well well doing that and this one it's sort of like when it had this opening scene about telepathy i thought this could be a really interesting uh way to explore sort of you know unique themes in a horror film the idea of you know, premonition mm-hmm. and instinct, themes like that. Mm-hmm. But then after this first scene that I was actually into it all, that didn't have to do with anything again at all. Right. It's like Argento over the next 10 years learned the importance of tying certain thematic things together to enhance your experiences in, in the storytelling. Yeah. And this sort of... Yeah, I mean, I I felt let down, I guess, unfortunately, so by by that. So you were so, feeling similarly in the first scene? Yeah, I was like, ooh, where are we going? So, but I like the setting of the first scene. I like the weirdness of it, and, like, her performance is fun and sort of, like, over the top, which is what you kind of expect from this. And there's a nice sense of... of mystery setup in it which you know like that i like a fucking i love mysteries i want to solve the mystery as the movie goes along and i want it to you know have some twists and some pull the rug out from under you and stuff like that and i i actually think that's the one thing that this movie is doing fairly well if we could actually follow it better exactly that's the fucking problem is that we Shit, how do I do this without just saying what I didn't like about it? <laughs> no, okay, so yes, so so the mystery aspect and the misdirection of the mystery is, I think, really pretty close to being really good. It's it, it it's close. And it and it is effective because there were a number of moments when I was like, ooh, I think I I think I've got it. And I think when you are getting an audience to think they know what it is and be wrong, you're fucking doing a good job of that, right? Like if I think I know the 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 solve of mm-hmm. the mystery and I'm fucking wrong, because opera, they did it, right? Yeah. Like I was, oh, who'd I, there was like three times when I was like, oh, dude, it's definitely this. And, I, and it wasn't. So good job, right? Like, at least he knows how to set those things up to make to misdirect you appropriately. Right. So I guess basically you're ending up in which we can segue into the misdirect was good. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't know. Like um, I, we didn't guess the ending. It so worked it ended for up, me. So it was sort of the twist where it was like there's two people working in tandem. So mm-hmm. that sort of you know the throw off. But where that worked so well as a misdirect for me was have like the drunk guy at the beginning who ends up being the main killer um well or not the main one yeah he's, he's the one <laughs> the son it's basically a son mother pair ends up being the murderers and this this drunk guy who seems like a sort of friend acquaintance of our main character who's mm-hmm. the main character for some reason again um mm-hmm. it the way that he they portrayed him as a drunk guy and like oh did you see anybody oh no you know i didn't see anything it was a really effective misdirect well, and it does a really good thing is because it eliminates him as a suspect because of one shot where the um, our lead guy, he must have a name, right? <laughs> uh, Marcus. Okay. Yes. So Marcus runs upstairs. He sees the murder, which is a great murder. I loved it. The kills were good. There's some good chopping, and and then she gets her head put through the glass. Yeah. And then her neck is, like, full of glass. Great. So Marcus runs upstairs, and I was like, how the fuck does he know what room she's in? But then we find out he's her upstairs neighbor, so it's his building. Um, 
and he gets to the body and he pulls the body away and he sees the killer walking across the street and walking right past the guy he was just talking to, Carlo, the pianist, the other pianist. And so immediately now we, we Carlo's not a suspect. That's a really good device because we're just using logic. We're sitting there going, got it. That guy was there at that time, so he's out. And so using that and having it be from the perspective of your protagonist is smart because we're now, we are the protagonist. I mean, it's the scream thing, the first scream. That's right. So that's a good device because you can, you know that the audience and the protagonist are going to make an assumption out of that. Yeah. Right? As the writers. So you can use that to your benefit and be like, ha, 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 just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> which is essentially what they did. Now, granted, I, you know, Carlo says this at the end when he's sort of caught. He was like, he's only guilty, I think, if I followed it right, which he's only guilty of. Actually, he's never killed anyone. He says that he's like, I never killed anyone, but he's allowed his mom to keep killing people because when he was a kid, he witnessed that and he sort of whatever yeah took it on said okay became complicit still lives with her all of the above so all this worked for you so yeah that all works i just wish the execution of how we sort of track it and who we are who we are seeing the story through and unraveling through yeah was different which we'll get into in our next section yeah because what else worked for me? I mean, I guess just get out of the way too. how it was shot. Oh, my God. Because that dude. was, again, like... So much of it is so beautiful. Those They had some Fuck other just me. really gorgeous macro shots of uh, vinyl record. Um, the, the, the reoccurring imagery of the dolls and the marbles. Yeah, the little toys. Fuck, dude. That shit is so pleasing to look yeah. at. Yeah. I wish I, I mean, I don't even care why, but there's part of me that wants to know why. Tim kept saying throughout it, why does that look so good? (laughs) Like, well, it's the lenses, the lighting, the original architecture of the fountain he's sitting Mm. at. Like, Mm. it's everything. But no, it just, oh, talk about a mood. And I, this, I do get why people love these films just for the sake of loving them. Like if someone says, uh, okay, I, I love Deep Red, I love Argento, I love Giallo, I may not agree with them but i'm like you are someone i want to be friends with <laughs> yeah. you know all these things are neat i do appreciate all these things but it's just this log well and you can see that sort of like i don't know when argento really started like what was his sort of foray into into really going after it i guess the 70s so this is a pretty early film for him this is like his i don't know his first film was 70 so this is five years into his career. Yeah. Um, well, you this... can kind of, I think you can, uh-huh. w- with, with you know, the luxury of knowing 12 years later he made opera, you can see that he's getting, he's like well on his way to getting to something as, as great as, and yeah. cohesively like well-constructed <laughs> right. and beautiful as opera. But it's twelve year it's twelve years from now. Yeah. So there are these little glimmers where I'm like, ooh yes, he already he already was honing in on this. This is what worked. Can you tell that. us one of those glimmers? So I think using the like just the con- the compositional beauty of of what he how he chooses to frame a shot. Mm-hmm. That alone, like he obviously had I think it looks to me kind of like he I don't know, I should I should have fucking read up on him but it really feels to me like he was an art history major you know what i mean that he was like studying fine art paintings portraiture all of that shit by the greats and basically saying i'm gonna recreate that in film like there are a number of shots that i thought wait isn't this a painting that i've actually seen by somebody else yeah I mean, for example, the blue bar, I think is what it's called, is that famous, famous painting of Elvis, Marilyn Monroe, and James Dean, I think, and maybe Humphrey Bogart sitting at this bar 
from outside this Italian bar. And I never even thought twice that this bar was a real thing. I just know the painting. And then in the third scene of the movie or whatever it is, the, the main character and his buddy are standing outside of that actual bar. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like my, it twisted my brain up yeah. because I was like, I'm, I'm seeing the painting. I'm like, how did they do that? And I'm like, wait, of course, like this is a real fucking place. <laughs> but the painting is such a perfect depiction of that. Well, it's a painterly shot of something we identify as a painting. Exactly. He has he has converted what is beautiful about that painting, which is based on a real place, and then gone to the real place and then recreated what feels good about the painting. Yeah. That's fucking genius. Yeah. Like, even insofar as he has the people who are actually in the bar, because the scene takes place outside of the bar. It looked like they were still They're, life. That's right. He has them not fucking moving. It, well, like, that just is enough. Awesome. Like, this guy's just sitting there. Yeah. This one's just leaning against that. They're Dude, just casually talking. I fucking love that. Yeah. And then, like, you know, a scene and a, a half later, he's talking with Carlo again in that in that courtyard or whatever you call it. And it's a it's a really far away, wide sort of long shot of them having a conversation, but they're really far from each other. Mm -hmm. And that statue of the guy lounging is in between them, like beautiful statue. And the composition of that shot is the symmetry of it is so beautiful in its architecture. Mm -hmm. But then he does a really cool thing, which is to offset the symmetry between the two characters. Like, he could have had them be symmetrical in the shot, and yeah. he doesn't. And so you get this nice little kind of dichotomy between their positioning in physical space and the perfect, beautiful symmetry of the shot and the architecture around them. So that, like, shit like that is just, that's fucking awesome. Like, I, it, like, it gets me fucking really excited and, like, you know, eager to, to, strive for that as a director in shit that I shoot where I'm like, yeah, like a shot's not just a shot, right? Like there's so much you can fucking do with it. And if you're, you know, taking your time and really thinking about why you're putting the camera where you're putting it, some beautiful shit can happen if, if you work hard enough at it. Correct. The so, film school term mise-en-scene, everything on camera yeah. makes a difference. It's so good. So like throughout the movie, I actually think what kept me kind of in the movie because there's the slog aspect of it is every like almost every scene at some point has some beautiful construction to it yeah, visually. That, that mansion he goes to, Fuck just a lot a, of dude. seeing Italy shot that way. So here's, like, it almost makes me think that, like, the filmmakers, let's see. So between him and the writer, um, uh, Bernardino Zapponi, 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 whatever, um, that between the two of them, it almost to me feels like they, they basically said, okay, we want to shoot a, a, a movie in Italy because we're Italian. But what's fucking like beautiful about Italy? Like, let's pick a bunch of things first. Telepathic women. No, I mean, <laughs> it's almost like they picked pieces of art that they liked. And they just put it. This is, I'm, I'm have no idea if this is it. Well, true. let's, uh, but they, they like put them out on a table and yeah. they're like, we like this place and we like this building and we like this. You talk like about this. pieces of art. Yeah. Can I, well, I'm just, oh, yeah, yeah, let sorry. me just that they, it, it, it almost feels like they, they picked these things cause they like them and then they constructed a story around those yeah. things. And that might be a little bit of the failing of why it feels kind of like, where are we? What are we doing? Because, the story didn't come first. There's I don't like know if a that's song, true. That's a clue. But the one you mentioned, you know, uh, premeditated use of artwork. I loved the, uh, I sort of put down as things, you know, I things that were generally scare moments, but this was the one generally, genuinely eerie thing about it was those paintings in the, on the wall where the, oh, yeah. where the murder happens, just faces of, with from no this sort eye, of, with no, um, like eye, yeah, iris and pupil, very colorless, very, you know, just all in some sort of um, 
all in some sort of agony or sinister yeah. quality, but just all over these hallways. And so if that was the one thing in the movie that, oh, wow, this is eerie, this is disconcerting in that horror film way, the two genuine scare moments that made me switch this from avoid to stream. Oh. Can you guess what they were? There's two of them. Okay. There no. was the, the lesser one was the moment where they go to this house for some reason. We don't even know why this woman lives there. And there's, <laughs> and there's an eye watching the woman through a closet, through like an open closet. Oh my God. Yes. And I forgot about it that. It was the effect of just sort of the zoom in speed, the, the, the eye in the blackness yeah. coming straight at us. Oh, it was, it was scary. It was a good scare moment. It was great because it like was a jump scare, yet didn't have to be super sudden. Yeah, it was sudden, but not like boom. You know, right, right. Um, it was just so odd and eerie. Yeah, like the if it would have been two eyes, it wouldn't have been effect as effective. Mm-hmm. It was just one eye opening, just in blackness. Much scarier Dude. than Arnold's eye looking through. <laughs> and Arnold. Um, and then so the other moment which for me is like the standout, probably the famous scene if you look up for clips of this movie, is um, right before a murder happened. The first step in this murder where this guy gets killed, the guy who looked like Javier Bardem's dad. Um, <laughs> yes. So so he's standing there. We know something's about to happen to him, but before he just gets hatcheted, macheted from the side, butchered, knifed from the side by the killer, a... A life-size oh doll God, yes. comes out from across the room through the door, kind of making it's it's making like a laugh sound, right? Yeah, I it's, think so. It's making some kind of sound. It's just coming at it and your your brain just goes, What what whoa, stop? You yeah. know? Oh, it was it was that, great. That was beautiful. There yes. God, they could have made a whole movie around that thing. That's it, that's what was the odd thing. It's like if you'd watch that scene, you'd go, Oh, I want to see this movie if it's just sort of about inserting a killer inserting these kind of like scares for the heck of it hell yeah (laughs) that was great god Uh, yeah fuck why that was so good that moment right because that's the thing the kills i fucking love the kills in this yeah they're all good the and uh, they're all you know like they're all pretty visceral and like even with the sort of the absurd fake like super super paint red paint the two that i liked uh the most at the end were getting i guess this wasn't the kill but drag getting dragged by the garbage truck that doesn't actually kill (laughs) him then it's it's part of the chase dude dude (laughs) i go i go oh he's gonna get hit by that truck and then ryan goes hooked (laughs) because we had seen the hook so he gets hooked and then he's getting dragged along which is really funny because he's you can see the like little cushion that they (laughs) kind of put under his ass (laughs) But then, right before the other truck comes, I'm like, he's going to get his head squished. And then he fucking does. And it's awesome. Yeah. And it's a good squish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the and that led to... Oh, no. And then the one after that was the other killer's elevator death. That was my other favorite one. <gasps> yeah. Where the, how did she even get caught in the elevator? But it was like her pearls or her diamonds jewelry she necklace had, yeah, she decapitated a, her yeah, when it got stuck in the elevator. That just mad I mean, it looks a little wonky. I almost feel like they played the film backwards. Like they got the thing caught there. Uh-huh. Like they preset it and then had it drop off of the But did thing. he like push her or what did uh, I don't I don't even remember. Yeah, he must have, right? Because why would she have turned toward the elevator i don't know yeah they're kind of struggling and whatever well anyway to get out quick other <laughs> stuff that worked in them so that well yes to that to that, to that death's point what i like about and a, a thread that argento has done is that in in at least two other moments we've seen doll's heads detach from the doll's body in that in this entire movie and then to have the killer die with their head getting detached from the body mm-hmm. is cool like you know just have some have some uh foreshadowing of the same thing it's cool it's great yeah smart um okay so just other things i like we talked about the opening in this well it's actually in an opera house where the telepathy conference so it's some sort of stage some sort mm-hmm. of theater 
that that whole opening scene was working me i mentioned already just because of the situation and that intrigue of oh where's this gonna go but stylistically that opening scene really did draw me in too what is it with the beginnings and end that's what i said before the beginnings and ends of these movies like, dude right? but it was there was specifically there were some of those pov shots that we saw like an opera so good and it was like, yeah, exactly. They worked for me. But there was one where it was like coming from behind a banister and there was this soundscape that was present during it. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, yeah. that was great. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously you're putting you, – you and you should put some fucking – attention into your opening and closing shots yeah <laughs> and then they just figure it out the rest yeah so what a little, um, they're like oh we got the hard stuff out of the way okay let's just shoot some stuff actors in this i the one stand out to me was the guy who i already referred to as javier bardem's dad so, so he looked he looked a lot like him um yeah. the guy who gets assaulted by the puppet then stabbed he just had a sort of like more likable affable movie presence that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well the other ones didn't have but we'll get into that yep um, I like the the mentalist, whatever you would call her, who dies first. Looks kind of like our friend. Oh Marissa. yeah, <laughs> same face shape. Um, yeah, I would have liked to actually. I mean, I kind of liked her presence. I I almost wish she wasn't the first death. Well, can we get into that with what did not work? Oh, yeah. Let me think if there's anything else that really worked for me. Um, I love the gag of the um of the the steam and writing a message in the steam. I yeah. just love that. A clue. I just think it's cool. It's a fun it's, way yeah, to exactly. discover it's a mystery clue. Cool, clue thing. It's like, like you said, they read a Nancy drew book. Yeah. Um, yeah. She doesn't, was, her, okay. Her but, dying, yeah. her dying motions were writing a message right. in steam. And then it wasn't until he realized, Oh, that was a possibility and re steamed the bathroom. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That was cool. Um, that, but yeah, you're right. So let's move on to the, um, things that didn't work. <laughs> It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> so, to continue on that thought, it never pays off. What? The steam thing. Oh, yeah, that clue. That, I'm like, Because it doesn't dude, it just say it was? Yes. The killer was? Yeah. Come on, man. Fucking give us something. Now, I wondered if the intention was that they were keeping the information, that it said more, but they're keeping the information from the audience and that Javier Bardem, his dad, um, knows the rest of the answer and that's why he's the next to get killed. Mm -hmm. But uh, was not clear which I think is the real failing of this movie is that there's a bunch of wait, am I supposed to know more? Yeah. And understand more because I'm not. So could we attach this to my first thing I wrote was I was bored 80% of the time. <laughs> what was going on? You're God. just watching this dude. That's interesting. Go around. You were bored. I was never bored. I was just like, what is going on? It was a combination on? of it. It's because it wasn't just the what is going on, but it was also the main dude. I know. He was just sort of like this kind of like... He's a douche. Yeah, this kind of <laughs> entitled attitude. You never know. Yeah. It was so funny. During it, he's breaking in as he likes to do. Uh, he's breaking into this place and has to like go along the outside banister on this you know multi-story yeah. mansion. And Tim was just like, I hope this guy falls to his death right now. <laughs> and then he almost does. Yeah. But um, to, I guess, speak yeah. more in um, filmmaking terms. And I kind of want to offer an alternate version of this movie that I think could have really worked was just don't have this guy like Tim, you're totally right. He was only there because he was a man because like yeah. he just had a look of maybe this these Italian filmmakers were like, okay, this guy is a star kind of thing. Right. He's, he's not even in that regard. Well, but he's a man in... Uh, sorry, sorry. But to actually get to what I was trying to say, like, I think this movie could have been a movie if just don't have him in it at all and then have the, te the telepathist, telepathic woman be the star. And the movie's right. about this sort of cat and mouse with someone with telepathy right. who knows they're a victim because they correctly predicted the murder yet 
because it's telepathy, they don't have any viable proof. Dude, how good of a fucking movie would this be in 2019? (laughs) Because the whole concept of that, of a woman knowing stuff, is, is shit on all the time. Let's remake Deep Red. Right? Like... That's such a cool idea, like with things like gaslighting and, and just people not taking women seriously and all that. Like have your lead character be that and have them have this extrasensory power that that the world says is bullshit. Because that's, that's a metaphor for a woman's experience in a lot of ways now. Like we're, you know, you hear women talking about their experience in life and you get this you you realize there's this perspective of them constantly feeling like they are not heard and they're not respected and they're not listened to and all that stuff and so to have your character have a power you know if you know sort of this fantastical metaphor for that is really fucking interesting and there are parts of this movie that i thought were almost pointing at a a kind of progressive um uh, what would you call that? F- sort of uh, f- theme, not female, but like anti, I guess, anti sort of toxic male thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, and I think in right, hindsight- the, the ones like the, the quote unquote strong female character. Yes. So, so what me, I'm wondering if I'm, because this is something that is interests me and is important to me in the stories I want to tell mm-hmm. that I'm just, putting it onto this film that may be yeah but there are scenes in it yeah you had the the, this this woman i just mentioned challenging the guy to an arm wrestling the the lead who's clearly sexist and they don't hide that right so in that they don't hide it that they actually put this guy in situations to make him like combat being called out on his shittiness as like i'm the i'm the man i'm a man he's all weirded out by the feminine male exactly like he sees the 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 dude who is Carlo's secret boyfriend and he and and he's dressed in sort of makeup and stuff like that and and our 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 boy Marcus has this very funny like clutch your pearls moment where he literally like like holds his chest <laughs> and he like backs away like oh my god and like it's it's a really funny moment and then he sort of pushes through it and it's like no i guess yeah so does that to me there's there's like this inkling that the filmmakers are are like we want to fucking comment on this but like we can't yet really so we have to maintain this douchey dude lead dude sort of like strong man cool guy thing the whole time because otherwise nobody will like this movie in 1975 but, like, I feel like the kernels of some ideas of progressive, like, hey, no, actually, that shit's shitty and annoying and this guy's yeah. kind of a douche. Because it turns it on our, like, how the opening setup, we think it's um women's stockings that yeah. we're looking at when we just sort of see this yes. murder. And it turns out to be a little boy's exactly. shoes and feet. But on the flip side, there's some real sort of, like, ooh, I don't really like the vibe I'm getting from this of, like... That Carlo is gay and that a gay person is somebody who dresses in women's clothing. It's like, no, what? Stop. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're conflating things. Like, gay guys aren't transsexual. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of the ignorance of the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's stuff like that that I found cringeworthy for sure. But you're right. You wondered if it, that was intentional as far as trying to say something about it or right. explore but it. But the fact that either they were handcuffed because at the time you can't really go down that pathway or that it was a misguided attempt at pointing at those things. Yeah. Because of whatever the the actuality of that was, but because of the vagueness of it, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. It actually hurts the movie. So, it, it, you know, strong point of view being a really important thing if you're going to comment on broad issues like that. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Get it? Broad? <laughs> Don't call women broads. Oh. It's real sexist. Oh. <laughs> um, so anyway, point yeah. being, it, it misses for me. Like it's a swing and a miss almost yeah. in a bunch of ways. So absolutely, kind well, of a tepid swing at that. But then you look at uh, opera and like I think they he's very Argento is very clearly doing 
having a point of view and doing it well. This is not opera. Yeah. Uh, just to go back to what I was saying as far as like that alternate version, if the, the telepathic woman was the lead, uh. I just wanted to be specific that both thinking about how neat that would be as well as how bad it was that um, how it was with the guy that we did have, I think is a really good example of the kind of movie where you have to have a uh, protagonist who's directly involved with the yes. conflict, who has consequences, has some sort of personal stake in it. Yep. He was just a neighbor who is curious, like, seriously, that's all? Well, like, and it, Was and I missing something? Yeah, again, then it becomes just the arrogance of this guy. Yeah, exactly. That's pro- like, I don't like him then. <laughs> he was arrogant. He's a fucking loser. <laughs> he and, thinks uh, it... Th- dude, th- call the police. <laughs> <laughs> The policia. Like, get a fucking detective on the case. You're not a detective. You're a fucking pianist. Yeah. You fucking loser. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. Just ready for a little adventure. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> but you're right. I guess that is kind of the Bra- the not Brady Bunch. Jesus. What am I? The Hardy Boys. Nancy Drew. <laughs> like, let's take it upon ourselves. Like, we're. Our... He loved those books. Bo- those books as a little boy. I mean, really, it just is like, dude, you're not. I think you can. You're right. You can do that that construct of like the person who needs to solve the crime who's not an authority who's not a detective you can do that story but you i don't think you should do it without the point counterpoint of the professionals Mm -hmm. right like have the fucking professional detective either be incompetent but be around so that you have something to bounce this off of or you have authority fucking up that makes you go jesus the world's so fucked up now i have to fucking be the detective because the fucking bureaucracy of 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 authority is not going to do the job like that actually is saying something and then we get on board with that character yeah but to have the character just arrogantly like strutting around in his white fucking suit being (laughs) like i'll do it myself because i'm fucking self important is so not appealing like i don't like this guy therefore i don't like this fucking pathway of the story when you wish when you say that i wish that it actually had been obvious that he was that that was his at least his motivation (laughs) but he was just kind of yeah sullen eyed just walking around just kind of never even showed an attitude aside from just sort of being Again, solemnly fixated on solving the case for right. some reason. He's like, not even. He's not even fucking. Um, we don't see any repercussions if he's hard headed and right. Is just thinks I'll. I'm going to solve this myself. That never comes he's across too, in his you character. Know, he's too fucking cool for school this whole time. It's like you don't even know why he cares. He's just like you know. I'm just an Italian <laughs> dude, man. Just and here. Like, I'm just here. I hope oh, yeah, he falls to his death there. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so okay. that just sucks. I mean, fuck. So the uh, while opera was somehow really easy to forgive it, the dubbing in this one not so easy to forgive yeah, for me. Yeah, and it was worse. I, I felt that <laughs> when the um, remember how he has to go to like the realtor with the weird daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the yeah. realtor, as soon as he steps out, you're like, that's the most Italian person I've seen. Who like <laughs> it's not, you know. <laughs> Not to stereotype, but he seemed like English. He, you could tell English was not his first language. He probably wasn't. But it was, sorry, aside from that. He looked like a stereotype. Yeah, that, right? was, that was it. That's what it was. But he, it's, he, like, ha- he looked like Mario from Mario and Luigi. You and know? it was like, just so- him stepping out and saying, oh, hello. Well, how can I help you today? Right, right. Well, <laughs> you know, you don't want to go in there. Yep. It was just oh, like, God. Who are you trying to, why even? Yeah, why not hire an actor with an accent yeah like would we be offended by that (laughs) i don't know it just it was just like made it all so glaring yeah and there's just i mean just following the thread of this movie that's to me that's the big problem can we give one more example just to sort of make the point of why it was hard to follow like sure uh i feel like we gotta make that case we have these moments of okay actually to me this is this is where where it started to really derail for me is when ooh i don't remember what happened right before this but it's fairly early on and during one of the murders some music has played and then we cut to a scene where mark uh marcus 
<laughs> I can't even remember Whatever, his name. the dude. Marcus, the dude, is speaking. <laughs> White suit. Right. He is speaking with Javier Bardem's dad and the other mentalist that was at the thing at the beginning, the, the, the talk at the beginning, mm-hmm. the bald guy. And they're having this kind of conversation about the music. And then the bald guy just sort of says, you know, I wonder if this has anything to do with that song. Because I read a book once, and I don't remember the name of the book, but it had this story. And I don't really remember what the story was about, but there was a song in it. And it was a kid's song. And, you know, it had something to do with a little girl. And the little girl lived in a house, and it was haunted, and, like, some blood had spilled in the house. And that's why the song played, because people would hear the song in the middle of the night and they'd say, Oh, it must be the ghost of this little girl. And then we cut to Marcus, like looking for that book and finds it. And it's like, I've completely lost the thread now. (laughs) The guy just said, this is a vague like memory that he doesn't really know what he's talking about. And then Marcus goes to the library and finds the exact book that happens to be the book with the story that doesn't really connect at all. And in that book, there's a picture of a house. I mean, it's like, and then the house ends up being the house. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia what now. The fu- we that- were so confused why the his buddy, who I thought was the good actor, showed up at uh, this woman's house. Like, you know, where he ends up, uh, where, where she, the woman ends up getting killed with the steam that, that, oh, that right, place. right, Rig, Riggy area or whatever. So it's, I just looked on the Wikipedia here. It's because that book that he found, she was the author of that that's, book. That's kind of what I thought it might be. But the fact that we were like, eh, that's, we've completely, f- we're off track. Yeah. And that's a huge problem. And then also, how does the so then there's this weird misdirect of like, uh, um, the 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 reporter, the journalist woman who's been following him around for the first sort of third of the movie, and then stops because he says, "I don't ever want to see you again because you beat me in an arm wrestling match." We he calls her, and there's this conversation in the he's in the diner and she's in the in the newsroom, and it's loud, and you can't really tell what's going on, which is also part of the problem. Is like that was an information scene, and they're doing a thing to make the exposition information scene more exciting by having it be cacophonous and all sorts of noise and shit's going on. But it's actually too much; it distracts from what they're saying enough that I now am totally lost because I didn't catch any of what the conversation actually was about. But then. We've used this misdirect of like she has really thick black eyeliner and we get these close up cutaways of the killer putting on thick black eyeliner. So we think, oh, maybe she's the killer secretly and she's strong. So maybe she can carry it out. We've proven these things. So then when he tells her that he's going to Riggieri's house, the author, I guess now we know that the author's house, she's the only person who knows that he's going there. And then Tim, I'm sorry, you've lost me just in trying this is to my summarize point. it. This is my point, right? So he goes there, and then the killer show the killer shows up before him, right? So we're supposed to think, oh, maybe that woman, because she's the only one who knew that he was going there, showed up early and killed the woman, and you know, blah blah blah. That it's too fucking convoluted. That's the problem. Is we're 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 barely hanging on, and especially to the having a protagonist who never emotionally reacts to any of these realizations. Yeah. Like you don't really. That's what allows us to latch on to any sort of key plotting points. So from that point on, to me, I was it was off the rails. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, anything else you have to say? Because I'm good for things of note. <laughs> um. The only other thing was like even within what you just said, that woman with the eyeliner, there were some misdirects, but they're to the level where even the misdirects felt muddled, like they were non-misdirect misdirects, right? <laughs> just a direct, you know. I don't know. It was, yeah. I, I guess it made it confusing, so it was harder to predict. But it was kind of misdirects that weren't just in that sort of subtle, like the way that they honed in opera. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to say much more about that, but that's all it. I mean, another thing that didn't work, but I actually kind of think is funny is just just him smashing shit up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, stop. It's not your house, man. 
I love actually one the one moment that is really funny to me is when the, the him and the journalist go into the they go to the school. Eventually we get we get to the school um, because the little girl has said has a drawing that she's like, oh, but I saw this drawing at the school that I go to. And that happens to be the school that Carlo went to. And that's how we like connect all this shit. Mm-hmm. They go to the school they fucking just break the glass of the door and like walk in and like two steps in or so. He's like, do you think we should maybe just call the police now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. Like, this is so dumb that he's at that. That's I don't know that that's where we're at. Yeah. He's been smashing shit up the whole time. And then he's like, we should call the police. The only reason they <laughs> do that is so the police can come and and prevent him from getting killed when the killer is revealed so it's just again it's convoluted how about things of (laughs) note please things of note (laughs) this should be interesting well I mean (laughs) as soon as it ended have you ever seen a, a first end card after a movie ends that says, you have been watching name of film? You have been watching Deep Red, Tim. It's like an apology. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fun. I've never seen that before. I thought that was very noteworthy. Yeah, it's interesting. I, yeah. And then, okay. And then, so yeah. the other thing I had was... um. You weren't hearing it, but I was insisting that the theme for this was like a spot on rehash of the exorcist theme, even the kind of like it, it has the rhythm that the sort of main I, melody I agree that it has the the sort of t- the, the five, four time. The, yeah, the da, vibe da, 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 of it. Da, da, da. Yeah. But then but I didn't it, think it was the same. It even has the little riff, I swear. Anyway, just to sort of make my case, whether I'm crazy or not, I'm going <laughs> to insert them both right here back to back. Tim and I are. Oh, shit. So Tim and I aren't going to hear this right now, but uh. Here it is for you. I rest my case. Now I have no idea. We have to listen to it. We'll ask you next time what you thought, Tim. But there it was for you. Okay. And uh, I have one last thing of note, but do you have anything? Anything. I do. You know how much money this made in Italy? How much? 3,709 billion. But it's in Italian dollars, so I have no idea what that means. Lira. It actually means 629,000 in the U.S. (laughs) I think I remember like... Two thousand being ten dollars. Oh, that's not very much then. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough. I mean, hey, I'm I'm glad he's a. Even if I couldn't dig this film, he's a important filmmaker still. I get why. Oh his no, no doubt. Important. You know what I kept wondering? So support him. So the 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 lead guy, David Hemmings. I think this is sort of noteworthy, is because we're. We're seeing him, and I thought this during the film. I was like, you know how sometimes when you see an a, an overdub, you go, "That's a bummer because that's definitely not this guy's real voice." But this actor was definitely speaking English in the movie, right? Yeah. So his mouth is moving in English, and then the overdub is an English guy's voice. I'm pretty sure that this. Well, I know that David Hemmings is the lead guy. He is English. So they pro- he just did his own overdub. Mm-hmm. That's why it kind of worked. Um, but I think it's interesting that you cast an English guy as this Italian pianist guy. He looked Italian? I know. He's got that sort of like, I'm a hip-swinging Italian dude thing going on. But he's, he's, so an, can... he's an English guy. All right. So, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, cool, I guess. I don't know if it's cool. It's just kind of interesting. Um and I, I, you know, I've seen him in something, but I don't know what. Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, Blow Up. Oh, yeah. He's the, he's the guy in Blow Up, which is a good movie. Yeah. So should I wrap up with my last thing of note here? Yeah, you should. Okay, so this is less to do... This is, this is the experience of watching the film for me that was noteworthy. Sometimes we have these. 
I thought this was so interesting. It would like it kind of shook me in a way. During the um the the bathtub kill, you know, of of mm. burning her like alive mm-hmm. under there, uh when he was holding her under, I just felt like you know the the people who are like why would you ever want to see that happen i don't get how you like horror movies mm-hmm. i f- i became that person in that moment it was the weirdest oh, thing really? i was like this is horrible watching why do i want to see this woman <laughs> getting killed this way it never mm. happened to me in a horror film before it was it was sort of the standalone death in this film that felt that way there was just something so intrinsically like i don't know just pointless to right to well, it all well, feeling story, at the story wise absolutely maybe that she was is it. completely not a part of this story yeah and she gets fucking killed so talk about i guess doing the job but it was usually it's like oh it's you know it doesn't hit me quite that way but i think there is something to be said about like who if you're gonna make a horror film and people are gonna be killed making some smart decisions as to what the efficacy of of particular deaths is for the greater story. Yeah. And if it's a senseless death, so to speak, is there a reason? Cuz if it if there isn't, it's going to kind of just feel shitty. Yeah. And this that one, you know, that kind of did. <laughs> yeah. Um I also wonder if we might be suffering a little bit from um the like a fatigue of seeing women brutalized that was the that was the word fatigued when you you know i was thinking when you my, were saying it. my friend who you know she has she has made this point to me because i have a couple of stories that i've had her read and ultimately you know the the they're female leads and they go through some gnarly stuff and she's like i'm just done with women being the object of of being you know it could terrorized be that, like, versus, and attacked and whatever and i'm like yeah there is something to that like so you better have a good fucking reason because it's it can be fa- fatiguing i think and like it feels weird to critique a horror movie for having senseless deaths but like there's i don't know there's something more um well like i don't i guess cathartic but it's like it's or i don't know roller coaster ridey like in halloween when we have you know the character set mm-hmm. up just the right amount you know but then this one i don't know man well it i could think, be fatigue yeah and i think that there's there's a reason that we generally have sort of the torture porn thing came and went pretty fast it's like people we it doesn't really give us what what we're looking for when we go to a horror yeah film. this felt the most like that because, like, even the saws and stuff like that, I can get behind the novelty of the situation and the kills. Like, it's sort of like, that's the that's the fun and games of it, you yeah. know? But this, I don't know, seeing her get burned. We'll see, too. We may be having, you know, we, we watched a movie last week that brutalizes some women. And we may just be in like, dude. It's Opera really... right before that, which yeah, is all right. about a woman just being constantly. Yeah, so we may just be feeling that like, oh man, we need, you know, it's a lot. It's well, a lot I wonder if this was kind of bombarded with. Yeah. And we're doing it to ourselves. We'll see what would... we pull from the hat. I was going to say. The hat's going to know. That it was the intention <laughs> of the hat all along trying yeah. to send us but a message. But that's good because you need to tell stories that matter, but you should not be exploiting them. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, like, finding that balance as a, a horror writer or filmmaker or any fucking whatever you're making, like whatever the genre is, yeah, you need to you need to find the balance of why you're telling it and and whether or not you're exploiting it because God, it's just sorry. I'm just yeah. like flummoxed and kind of take it back that that we I I guess I could internally get into the movie and justify that scene in Last House on the Left like you know we read the Stephen King mm-hmm. quote justifying it how it's these are bad people we don't we don't identify with the killers at all because of what happens so I did, just that that didn't have an effect on me yet this woman getting killed in the bathtub did because, well but because we know the killers in Last House on the Left yeah and we know that they're irreparable they're they're reprehensible. We can we know I, that. Right. We, we can identify with the shittiness of who they are. 
in Deep Red, it's a mystery. We don't know who the killer is, right? And then the payoff of who the killer is is not satisfying. It's an old lady, mm-hmm. right? Who who gives a shit? And her son. And why is she doing it? Because her because her husband wanted her to not pursue a, an acting career and be a, a, a I don't a, even a housewife remember. was like the flashback. And I was like, okay, like, sure. But then you're saying that anybody who, I don't know what you're, I mean, <laughs> fuck it, whatever. I'm not even going to go down that path. But like, it doesn't work. Yeah. And it doesn't help us, the viewer, get on board. That's yeah. a fucking problem. Totally. So, you know. It's all good. Like, I think we're learning shit from this that's really fucking useful in moving the 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 dialogue of what a good story and why horror is a, a worthwhile genre to explore. You know, we're, we're learning the pitfalls of that. And hopefully people, you know, if you're listening to this, like, and you want to make movies, like, you're getting something out of that too. Because certainly it's helping me. Because I'm looking at stories that I want to make and I'm going, oh, shit. Like, I've got things in there that now we know why they don't work. I got to fucking work on that and make it better. Yeah. Or, yeah, make the other pieces fit so they do work. Right. Cool, man. Uh, Recommendations. You know, I I had my ongoing list. It's empty. So I'm just going to pick, like... I'm just going to pick something, something from my hat. What do I want to watch right now after (laughs) being... uh, now sensitized after being desensitized for right. so long. The, I love those new the new Planet of the Apes trilogy. They you know, I'm gonna oh, sure. I'm gonna recommend Dead the New Planet of the Apes trilogy. The effects get better each time. Each That's one is true. different enough from the one before it. The performances of the apes are like incredible. Yeah. I just love apes and ape action. I'm Andy fascinated Serkis, by it. Man. And they each came there was a good amount of distance you want from sequels in their release schedule for each one that let you sort of just get excited again. It wasn't too like I'm getting overkill of these apes movies. I will new, new plan of the apes trilogy. I forget what each each one was called. And I I agree. They were, they're really, yeah, they're a good ride. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I really loved them. And, um, I hope they do a fourth one. Hmm. Because keep keep making them. They made like five of the old ape movies, which I want to revisit. Let's do. Oh my god! And a cartoon. Oh my with god! Starring Roddy McDowell uh, in the yep. apes movies from Arnold, <laughs> one of our favorite films here. One of your favorite films? No, it's not. <laughs> oh man! What's your recommendation? Okay, so this occurred to me. I'm I'm fucking this movie. I love this movie, and it is so fucking twisted and weird. But it's a and. <laughs> the caveat is that I actually had to have somebody convince me to go back and 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 watch it, watch it, because I started it one day, and I got about twelve minutes in and was like, "What? This is stupid. What the fuck is this?" And I gave up. And then my I told my friend, or my friend brought it up. I was like, "Yeah, what the fuck is that movie?" I tried to watch it. And it was so dumb. And he's like, "Just you gotta stick with it. It it's worth it." So I went back, and he was right. It's a movie called Rubber. And oh, yeah, I've seen that. The tire. And, yeah, the premise is it's a serial killer that is a tire. Literally, the rubber tire around a wheel of a car. That came out. I remember it being like a filmmaker, like, I'm going to follow him, but I used to know his name after that. I, I, f- I forget who he is now. <laughs> but you rewatch it. That Dude. seems like a movie you would get a kick out of, Tim. It, it is so fucking worthwhile it is it it just took me a minute to get through like what the fuck am i watching because it is this (laughs) very strange meta fucking what the hell movie but it's so its own thing you're it's so watchable yeah it's it's so worth it you just gotta you gotta fucking push through the first whatever 15 minutes rubber just get on board it's called rubber it's fucking (laughs) it's very funny all right, I'm looking at the hat, Tim. It's my turn. Oh, 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 oh. All right. You got to shake it, though. <laughs> I'll stir it. Next week's film. Oh, man. Next week's movie. Come on, baby. So I pull these long ones. Oh. Ah, a film called Evil Ed, which I sourced from. There is an Instagrammer 
called at the horror doctor who mm. made a post to saying, Hey, this is one of my, you know, here, here's a few movies that I think are good horror movies that are overlooked. Like whatever that oh, topic is. Cool. So I think, I don't know what era it is. Evil Ed, maybe from evil the Evil Ed. Yeah. Not evil dead. Evil Ed 95. Okay. So, uh, so again, where this is, Ooh, I know it looks gory. We've been getting some like, okay, you know, what's with the, I know, I know a lot of these movies kind of seem obscure, but we are, we are on a hunt here. Yeah. And like, do you really want us to talk about alien? You know what? I think, uh, there are some people who do. I mean, I will, cause it's like my favorite movie, but I'm just saying we all know it. We've seen it. Right. But, uh, well, we'll talk about that, Tim. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and we'll also talk about evil <laughs> Ed yeah, next buddy. week. Yeah, buddy. All right, until then, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. Dismembering Horror on Instagram, DisHorrorPod on Twitter. That's at Mayor McDuffie on Twitter, and I'm at Tim Aslan on Twitter and Instagram. Did you call me that's? Yeah, that guy over there. <laughs> I am here at Mayor <laughs> McDuffie on Instagram, correct? Yeah, all buddy. Right. Yeah, well, buddy. See you next time, Tim. See you all in the outer sphere next time. Thank mm-hmm. you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. <laughs> no!